appreciate you sharing that, uh, Jake. Uh, some people may know here that there are times when I'm leading songs that in the middle of the song when I'm leading and I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm singing, I'll get choked up and I can't sing. And so I'm glad that you guys are still singing when I'm choked up and can't sing. So I appreciate that. So anyway, as you can still tell, <laughs> I got a little froggy throat, but uh, I don't have the great congestion and the headache and the, the weakness that I had before, so I'm on the mend. So I don't think I'm contagious. I hope that my uh, ex excitement about the Lord is contagious, but that's uh, a whole nother story. So I know that there are several announcements that I'm not aware of, so Melissa has some that uh, I don't know about. So could you share those? Two weeks on the 26th, right after assembly, there's going to be a meeting for current Bible class teachers and assistants and those who would like to uh, be involved. So I think that's great. Yes. And the other thing is, just if anybody is interested in helping with PBS at Alvador, they can Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great thing that's happening in Alvador. VBS, Vacation Bible School. And that is in... It's June 19th through the 23rd in All right. And uh, so to help Melissa out, some of the other folks over there, if you'd like to get involved in the, the young people, that would be fantastic. Uh, I'd also ask you to pray for the college age group there. There's a college age group there that's coming and hanging out with our college age group. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's been really, really fantastic. And uh, there's a lot of growth and there's a couple of young men that uh, have said they, they need to be immersed into Christ. And uh, man, it, that just moves me when they realize what they have not learned that they should have learned. So I praise God for those who have an honest and good heart. You know, the Bible says it's only those who have an honest and good heart that are going to make it. And so when you have uh, people like that, that are willing to be honest, uh, you know, looking at what the word says and then, and then allowing the word uh, to be their guide, it's, it's fantastic. So I praise God for that. So uh, another announcement, uh, next uh, Sunday, uh, please pray with me that we'll have beautiful sunshine like yesterday. Wouldn't it be great if we had awesome sunshine like that next Sunday? Because next Sunday there is a, uh, a family fellowship dinner at the Compton Place at 5.30 Sunday afternoon. And wouldn't it be awesome with the, uh, the new, uh, what do you call it, daylight savings time? That means it's going to stay lighter later. And so uh, wouldn't it be nice just to be able to have like a little picnic outside? I know that's asking a lot, but doesn't the Bible somewhere say that, that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think? But I have to add the other part, through the power that works within us. I'm not the weather guy. God is. So let's appeal to him that he would do that. That'd be so great. But we'd love to have you out. Uh, good fellowship, dinner. It's always fun. Uh, especially when it's at someone's home. So let me encourage you to come on out to the Compton Homestead next uh, Sunday evening at 5.30. It would be great. All right, we have some uh, uh, birthdays that we need to announce and sing. Uh, Logan uh, was not able to be here last week. So Logan, we're going to be singing to you. Uh, 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 Lewis Winningham, 
We're going to sing to you if you're watching. Uh, Jeff, Sharon, thank you for showing up. I know you didn't show up just to get sung to, but it's kind of nice that you're here. That's great. And uh, Nicole, Nicole McKinney, it's kind of scary when you when you start Bible studying with a family and they just have little, little, little ones like Nick, like Nick, uh, Olivia and, and uh, uh, oh my goodness, Nora. I was going to say Nova. Nora. You know, when they're little, and then they grow up and they're graduating from high school. Wow. So uh, happy birthday to uh, uh, Nicole McKinney. But we have some other people that we need to, to be uh, singing happy birthday to that we should have last week, but they weren't here. Who was it? Ellie. Ellie. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait till next week. I better write it down. Ellie. <laughs> yes. Nora. Yes, okay, we're sick. Oh, wait a minute. This is how it's got to be done right here. I'm going to turn the camera. <laughs> For those you can't see, it's like, ah! Wouldn't it be great when you're turning like 50 or something like that? Wouldn't that be cool, Scott? Wouldn't that be great to see Scott in the back going, ah! Hey, I'm turning 65, and I'm almost tempted, man. <laughs> I don't look like or act like, well, you might differ with me, but that's okay. Uh, but you know what? Age is kind of relative. I'm getting older, and I don't mind getting older, but uh, I'm never going never gonna to succumb to that old. You're old. I'm not going to do that. All right? So anyway, let us sing Happy Birthday. Right? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Nora, that was absolutely classic. Thank you. You made my morning. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great when I was preaching, people would do that too? <laughs> I'd get a little nervous, really, just a little. Okay, so any other announcements, anything else we need to take care of this morning? Uh, calendars are out on the uh, entryway table. If you haven't gotten your calendar for uh, March, that would be great. Oh, there is one other thing. Uh, there's another Fifth Sunday Rally coming up in April, uh, and it's going to be down at the uh, 6th and Gibbs uh, Church of Christ in Cottage Grove. And it sounds like there's going to be several other churches from the southern part of Oregon coming up, uh, which will be great. And so I know Alvador will participate. I pray that uh, Pleasant Hill will also go down and participate and encourage the brethren down there and be encouraged. So uh, that is the last Sunday, the fifth Sunday in April. Check it out. And I'll have flyers coming up starting in April. So I think we got them all done now. Not great. Hey, grab your uh, Bibles and let's turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. Proverbs 8 and verse 13. I don't know who typed up the, the lesson plan this morning, but uh, obviously they didn't have the right scripture. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. Missed it by a verse. That's okay. We'll give a little grace to the old guy. Uh, older guy. <laughs> The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and, and arrogance, and the evil way, 
and the perverted mouth I hate. Well, that's pretty powerful, but there's, there's one that's even more powerful in my mind, and that's Psalms chapter 97. So turn to Psalms chapter 97 and, and take a look at verse 10. You know, when, my when I was studying the fear of the Lord and looking up all the Bible verses, man, believe it or not, this one jumped off the page and it doesn't even say the fear of the Lord, but notice what it does say. Hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Notice, hate evil, but love the Lord. And, there, and there's some other ones that are really powerful too. Let's look at one in the New Testament. In fact, there's several in the New Testament. Look at the book of Romans in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And many of you know this one. This is a fantastic passage. Uh, you know, it never grows old when I read it. I, I really get thrilled when I think about what it actually is talking about there. Romans chapter 12 and verse, um, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 9. 12 and 9. I love the very first part of chapter 12. It's talking about the, the multitude of giftedness that we have, each one individually gifted. But here it talks about what all of us should be doing. Verse 9. Notice what it says. Let love be without hypocrisy. Literally, let love be genuine. Let love be real. And then it goes on and says, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. In my study of the word hate, the word abhor is extreme hate, like hate on steroids. And so notice what it says here. Let love be without hypocrisy. Love needs to be genuine. It needs to be real. Hate, abhor, what is evil, cling to what is good. And so we're going to look at those three this morning but let's pray. Father God in heaven, we are so deeply thankful for your word. It's powerful. It is able to, to communicate to us very succinctly, concisely uh, what we need to be, uh, what our minds need to dwell on, what our hearts need to, to, to love and, and, and own and possess as our own. And Father, also too, uh, the things that, that we really need to fear in this life, and that's really only you. Lord, help us to see that this morning, I pray, and in Jesus' name, amen. Well, look at the title of the lesson this morning. It says, Who Must We Love? Well, we know the answer to that, don't we? That's an easy one. You're saying, you don't need to preach anymore, preacher. I already know. We must love the Lord. It says it right there. So thanks uh, for, uh, you know, preaching. Okay, we're, we're getting out early. Well, maybe not. Let's look at the next one, though. What must we hate? What must we hate? You know, the scripture clearly teaches that those who fear the Lord hate evil. And I'll tell you what, Kirk Heinbaugh, from Glendive, Montana, actually about, oh, about 20 minutes east of there, big old ranch. He did a great sermon on, on what it means here to hate evil. And he said in some places, the word hate means to love less in comparison. 
And in fact, in the scriptures, there are a couple places like that. You know, it says in one passage of the scripture that, that if you want to follow, Jesus says, you want to follow me, you need to hate your mother and you need to hate your father and you need to hate your kids. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Contextually and scripturally, that is true, that we should love the Lord Jesus more in comparison to our wives, our husbands, our children. That is correct. So when someone says, I can't believe in a God that tells me to hate my wife and kids, that's not what's being said there in that word. But when we see in both Old and New Testament, like in the book of Romans, in chapter 12 and verse 9, abhor what is evil, that means hate on steroids. But unfortunately, the church, I think, oftentimes kind of dances around and flirts with what God says is evil. You know, flirting does, don't you? Flirting is like luring a fish in for the kill. Flirting with the devil is as dumb as it gets because you'll always lose in that proposition. So this morning's lesson is really first about the fear of God, just to start it out real quick, because the fear of God is to hate evil. Then we're going to take a look at what does the word hate there mean in Proverbs chapter uh, 8 and verse 13. And then what does the word evil mean? And I'm going to use some examples. And then we're going to switch gears and we're going to take a look at Psalms 97 and verse 10. To hate evil is to love the Lord. And that's where we're going to really ratchet it up because to fear the Lord is really to love the Lord. Let's begin there in your introductory statement. I give you a little bit of room there for the introduction. Really the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is to be in such awe of, when the word awe there, by the way, you look it up, means fearful of his greatness. Fearful of his magnificence. Because he is so much greater, so much bigger. He is infinitely greater than you are. He's infinitely greater. And as uh, uh, my son was saying, infinitely greater than all of the oceans, all of the sky. It's absolutely true. Infinitely greater. The problem is, is our little pea brains... Let me change that because I don't want to include you in my classification. In my little pea brain, I can't get the infinity thing dialed in. I can't think that there's never going to be an end to the future. There, There is no end. Eternity future, eternity past. I, my mind doesn't work in that way. And so when we say an awe of God, we need to start to quantify it. And remember what we talked about is we, all you got to do is get on the internet and look at the size of the stars they have discovered it so far in the cosmos. I want you to do that. Some, not right now. Everybody else, all right, it gives me an excuse. <laughs> Candy Crush, I love it. No, that's what I'm not asking you. I'm asking you to do it later. You look at the size of the stars, and our star is a speck. A speck. 
that you can barely see in comparison to the largest star they've discovered so far. Our star is a speck that you can barely see in comparison. And then when you take a look at the earth compared to the sun, the earth is like a little speck compared to the sun. And then you are on that little speck that's a speck compared to the little speck compared to the biggest star, which I know there's probably greater stars. I don't know about you, but when I start quantifying things like that with a visual, I feel so insignificant. And if you don't, you're not looking at it the right way in the physical realm. But in the spiritual realm, it's a difference. In the spiritual realm, I can fear God with a sense of awe and wonder so much so that I will bow down in my heart and in my mind and in my soul and I'll worship him and serve him. Out of a heart of love, I don't want to displease my father, the one who died for me. We've talked about the greatness of the love of God before and we're going to finish the lesson that way. We start with the fear of God, but it really results in the great and awesome understanding of the love of God. God the Father loves you more than he loved his son. He sent his son and he, he was glad to have him crushed so that you could be saved. When you had no regard for God whatsoever. And I shouldn't put you in that category either. But I'll put myself in that category. I didn't care about God. I didn't think about God. I thought only about myself. And then when we talk about evil, I'm going to use some personal examples. Now look at point number one. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. When I was looking at all the passages, this one kind of shook me up a little bit. It's like, you know, the fear of God is. And so, you know, that's a pretty clear statement that if I fear God, then I am going to hate evil. And I, I want to have the reverential fear that I am going to bow the knee, but more importantly, bow the heart, the spiritual heart, which is my mind, which is my reason, my emotion, my will, and all my morals. Everything is in subjection to him. I know that if I do that, that he will love me and continue to provide for me. But let's look at this once again. What does it mean to hate here? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What does it mean to hate? And and. And what is evil actually? You know, have you ever thought about it? This is not talking about, I hate tuna casserole. I hate tuna casserole. I hate tuna casserole so much, I've told my wife, please, honey, if you love me, you will never, ever have tuna casserole. And the joke is, whenever we're having a little whatever, she goes, okay, tuna casserole's coming your way. So I go, no, I'm going to starve tonight. I hate to the castle. That stuff makes me want to, you know what? Okay. But, uh, I've only had, well, I won't go there. 
I won't go there. But this is not that hate. We giggle about that hate. That's not this hate. The word hate there, I want you to look it up on your own. It means to detest, to despise, to utterly and intensely hate something. So much so it brings you into a rage. The Apostle Paul, by way of example, look at Acts chapter one. In your own time, down below you have a little place for examples there. On your own time, look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 3. Look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And look at Acts 22 verses 4 through 5. Paul hated the church. He hated the church. He murdered the church. He wanted to ex he just kill every single Christian. And he didn't care if it, he orphaned every single kid he was going to take, and he actually did this. It says it in the scriptures. He ripped moms and dads out of their beds in the middle of the night, drug them down to the temple, and the next morning they were stoned to death. You checked me out. Saul, who would become the great apostle Paul, hated, loathed, abhorred, violently killed, Murder. That's hate. That's the hate that's been talking about right here. You ever have that kind of hate? I used to have a super bad temper. And when I went to a national convention, I was told by one of the other team coaches that, that they were following all the rules. And that's why one of my students could not compete at the national competition. And it was a big debate and we had big discussions. She was lying through her teeth because when we got to national convention, during the very first awards, the young man that she said, oh no, he's not competing. He actually competed and got a trophy. My kid was better than her kid and my kid should have been able to go. I broke out in a rage. Horrible rage. Throwing chair, chair, chairs, rage. Now that's, that's kid stuff compared to what Paul was doing. That's the kind of hate that we need to have for sin. That's the kind of hate we need to have for sin, for evil. Do we have that kind of hate? I'm not talking about loving God more than this pet sin I have. Well, I love God more than my whatever. That's not the kind of hate we're talking here. We're talking about a violent hate so much so that you'll tear it out of your life. Now, I'm not talking about going out there and finding everybody who's got sin in their life and ripping them apart because that's not what Jesus did. Were there, was there a sin in that adulteress's heart that got drugged in front of Jesus and everyone in the temple? But was there sin in the heart of those legalistic monsters that wanted to kill her and kill Jesus? What's the answer? 
Yes, absolutely. Now, Jesus hates sin. And what did he do for that woman? What did he do for that? Those knuckle-headed legalistic guys. What did he do? He gave them another chance, didn't he? In fact, he kept, I don't, we don't know anything about that adulterous woman. We do know that she was not condemned. And he said, go and sin no more. He gave her another chance. He, I, I don't know. Maybe there was some other place where that, that woman comes in the scriptures, but I don't see it. But you know, we see those knuckleheads keep coming. Knuckleheads keep coming. And some of them actually converted. Nicodemus was one of them who converted. Joseph of Arimathea was converted. He became a disciple. That's because he was willing to be patient. I'm talking about hating sin in your life. You hating sin in your life. Get the sin out. Now, what's evil? The word here, evil, and you can look it up yourself, to be wicked, evil, in manner of thinking and action. Wicked in manner and thinking and action. That still doesn't define it. That which is disobedient to God's word and displeasing to him. There's the definition. You know, in Psalms chapter 1, or excuse me, Psalms 101, it says, bring no worthless evil thing before thine eye. Bring no worthless or evil thing before thine eye. You can go back and look it up. In fact, Psalms 101, memorize it. And you'll be hating on a lot of stuff that you haven't been hating on. It'll help you. This is not to scare you. This is to teach you to hate, violently hate sin that has become entrenched in your life. But if you've been flirting with it and it's become an addiction, how many know addictions destroy people? Yes or no? That's what a habit of sin actually is. It's an addiction. So we need to recognize it for what it is. It's destroying us. It's destroying us. My anger issues in the past destroyed so many relationships. By the grace of God and the most amazing woman in the world, my wife has stayed with me and I have overcome it for the most part. She still has my tells. When, you know, on the tea kettle and the, the spout is, she can see when there's steam coming out my ears. You can't, but she can. See? So it's important for us to recognize and understand this hatred of evil. The evil is being disobedient to God's word. You know that statement, bring no worthless thing before thine eye? I'm ashamed about what I'm going to tell you. My dad gave me my first drink when I was five years old. I remember clearly. Gave me a, gave me a bottle of Bud. Five years old. I remember when I was in fourth grade, I saw my first Playboy magazine. And it got progressively worse. Fourth grade. You know, the image, that first image is still burned in my mind. 
I knew it was wrong because I remember hiding it in the, in, in the backyard over the fence. And I got hooked on it. And I got hooked on drinking. You all know, I've said before at 13, I, I drank to drunkenness. And then from then on, drunkenness pretty much opened the door, a Pandora's box in my life. A life of destruction. I know many families, there's kids, the families are blown up because of alcohol. And alcohol leads to all other things. Sexual immorality. That's what opened the Pandora's box there in my life. That's because I flirted with it, but I it was the door was open to me. My dad did it. I want to be cool like my dad. But then because the neighbor next door, the kid next door's dad had all those magazines out, and he says, My dad won't miss this one. Here you can have this one. That's destructive. Did you know the covenant of marriage? The covenant of marriage, the Bible says that sexual immorality, all other sins are outside the body, but sexual immorality is inside the body. It's because you're destroying the covenant between you and your God. Go check it out. I destroyed my life. And you know that it led to so many other evil things like murdering my unborn child. We need to hate evil. We need to hate it, violently hate it. I do now. Why? Because so many people have been hurt because of that evil in my life. Now, why am I... Why do I share this with you? Why am I open? I know a lot of preachers don't want you to think, well, I had all this mess in my past. I've, I've always been in crazy, incredibly amazing. You're not so amazing if you're holding that stuff in and you're not willing to be honest. Remember, it's only the honest and good-hearted person that makes it. We need to recognize God's not fooling around but we need to know the devil's not fooling around either. You can't flirt with the devil and not be killed and not become addicted to something that he has a hold of you with. So pornography started when I was little and it opened a Pandora's box in my misunderstanding of what God truly intended for marital intimacy. And it destroyed my life and it's caused me to struggle in being a good man for my wife. And I am being a better man for my wife. Viewing her as a co-heir and not an object. I pray you've never felt that before. Always a blessed gift to cherish and to nurture. I pray my sons have seen that as well. 
But we need to hate that stuff because it destroys us. Now, let's go to Psalms chapter 97. Psalms 97. Here's the beautiful part of it. Hate evil, you who love the Lord. That hate evil there is actually the exact same Hebrew phrase, the exact same Hebrew words, hate evil. And so what I just described is what is being described there. If you hate evil like that, you're going to love the Lord. Did you know that you are not a spiritual, you know, uh, if you have evil in your life, that there's no room for the Lord. But when you kick evil out, there's a vacuum. Something's going to get sucked in. You better be the one who decides what you're going to allow back in. Jesus talked about it. You clean out the house. And if you don't put good stuff back in, seven devils even worse are going to come back in. That's what Jesus said. So our bodies were meant, were designed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, the house of God. And so it's important for us to recognize that this body was meant for God. And it should be lived purely according to his word. And you know, when you love somebody, when you really love somebody, you know, it's a marriage uh, counseling. I don't like the word, use that word, marriage, Bible study, more like. And I was reading this book and this book has this really cool thing. To ask someone, are you in love or do you love that person? In love is an illusion. It's a feeling that goes away. It's kind of like heartburn, only in the reverse. Okay? It feels good for a moment, and then it goes away. Heartburn feels bad for a moment, and then it goes away. You know, I'm in love. Guess what? She or he's going to do something, and all of a sudden, you're going to get spiritual love heartburn. You got to understand being in love is an emotion that is an illusion. But if you choose to love somebody, if you choose to love somebody, you'll change. Now, again, I'm a little bit embarrassed here, but you've heard this before. Once I became a Christian, I worked really hard at, at quitting drinking. I quit cussing first. Mastered that baby. Woohoo! Okay? But I still dabble in the drinking stuff. You know, I said, well, I'll just drink. It doesn't say you can't drink, just says you can't get drunk. So I would, you know, and then, you know, what happens sometimes? Great. You know, go to my best friend's wedding. Great. And so I ordered a glass of wine at Oregon Electric Station with my fiance sitting across the table. Remember that? It's Valentine's Day. And her eyeballs got this big. She didn't even have to say nothing. And when the waiter brought the wine, I said, I'll pay for it, but I'm not drinking it. Take it back. You go on it, fine. Pour it down. I don't care what you do. I was done. 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 Thank you. I have a great helpmate. Help me on that one. It's powerful. 
Love will cause you to do what any other thing in your life can't do. Love is the most powerful, powerful motivator in the world. And a love for God is transformational. A love for God is transformational. This word love here is absolutely amazing. I don't know if you want to look it up yourself or write it down, but to possess a deep desire and longing with your whole being to be close to and intimate with the Lord, to delight him and please him in all that you think, do, and say. That's the love of the Lord. That's the love of the Lord. Now, if you're getting convicted right now, I got convicted when I was doing the Bible study. I'm going, I'm coming up a little bit short here, Lord. Forgive me for all this stuff I've been messing around with. I really struggle with preachers that got it all dialed in because I know. They don't. But many have been around me for a long time and you've seen leaps and bounds, growth. I know you have, if you're honest. And I've seen growth in you. It's so awesome. Because the love of God is what transforms us. But we must first choose to hate evil. You can't love God and do evil at the same time. You have to hate evil. And, 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 and ravage, destroy it in your life through re, the repentance process and then embrace the truth of God's word and trust him and do everything to delight him and to please him. You know, I always think about when, uh, when I first realized Sharon was the one. Man, she was all I could think about. She's all I could think about. And I was conniving with her parents. She didn't even know I was going to ask her to marry her. I mean, conniving with her parents. Talked with her parents. They cried, oh, we were praying to you. Praying. And I was going, really? And the conniving with her parents. And, and one of her rings in her ring is her mom's, mom's, mom's wedding. It's just so exciting. And I just couldn't wait till it was that day to ask her to marry me. And, and uh, wow, I'll tell you what. It's amazing the power of not the feeling, although when you make right choices and decisions in a relationship, where do the feelings go? Oh man, it's great. Awesome. When you make self-indulging, where's the feelings go? Terrible. See? So who do we need to love? We need to love the Lord, right? Well, let's take a look. What does Jesus say? What did Jesus say? That's a good one. What did Jesus do? Well, exactly what he said. He loved the Lord God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength so he could save you and he could save me. Did you know he loved God and did everything God said so that he could be perfect, so that he could go to the cross and be damned for you and I for our sins? I don't know about you, but that's the biggest, greatest love. In fact, I, I just can't get my mind wrapped around it. But I know it's real. It's true. So when I start beating up on myself, I think about, wait a minute, God loved me more than he loved his son, Jesus. 
Jesus loved me more than he loved himself. And he's the eternal high priest. So I go back to him and ask for forgiveness and he forgives me. And I can keep going. I want you to take a look with me here. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark. Did I say Matthew? Mark chapter 12. Beautiful passage of scripture about love. Verse 28. Jesus is arguing with the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay? And of course, you know, Jesus is winning. <laughs> and so this scribe comes up. I don't know, he was late to the party or something. He comes up and look at what he says. And one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that Jesus had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, you should love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly, I can just see him excited, kind of a, a Nora excitement. <laughs> right, teacher, right, just like that, I can just see it. Then the scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one. There is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as thyself is much more than all birds' offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He understood love of God is the great and powerful motivator to change us, to hate evil and to love the Lord. You know, there's another beautiful passage of scripture. Turn with me to the book of uh, John and chapter 13. Beautiful passage of scripture here. John and chapter 13. About love. We should, we should do well to listen to this one. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says in verse 34. John chapter 13 and verse 34. I love this one. And I have to tell you, I'm going to pause here for just a moment. This is a dramatic pause. I have to tell you that I've really been seeing this in this body of Christ. I've been in a lot of churches before, a lot of cat fights, a lot of undercurrents, a lot of this and that, but people genuinely coming out of the word work to help other people. You have been doing that. I praise God for that. That's growth. That's real. Sacrifice. Notice what he says. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That word love, agapeo, is not the Hebrew word love. It's the, the God word love, and it means to decide to sacrifice yourself for someone else's needs. To decide to sacrifice yourself for someone else's needs. Jesus laid 100% of his life down in love so that he could secure your soul. And we are his beloved. And if he laid 100% down of his life, a love for you, what ought you to do for him? 
What ought you to do for him? Lay your 100% of your life down for him. How do you do that? By loving the brethren first and loving those who are not yet his next. That's how we get it done. Because remember on judgment day, he said, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. Thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. You know, I was in prison and you didn't come visit me. What was going on? Yeah, that's it. Nothing was going on. You're serving yourself. But then he's going to say, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And, and I was in prison and you came and visited me. And they'll go, when did we do that, Lord? When? When you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You see, the Lord's watching how you treat people. Do you love him? Well, let's close with this thought. Let's go back to 1 John. 1 John, little John, right near the end. Man, I love this one. This is my, my closing verse. Closing verse. 1 John. Did I say chapter 1? Excuse me, chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Beautiful passage of scripture. Take a look at verse 7. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away. The true love is already, or the true light is already shining. The one who says that he is in the light of Christ and yet hates his brother, that word hate means abhor. This brother is, this, let's see, hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You know what, brethren? I love studying the scriptures. I have to be honest with you. I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I decided to do the fear of God. I mean, all fears, some keep us out of heaven. The fear of God will help us to get into heaven. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I'm telling you what, I'm glad I opened this can up because it's not a can of worms, brethren. It's a can of blessings. In closing, isn't it important for you and I right now to learn to hate evil and to love God more than anyone or anything? So you put all that stuff out of your life. Because on the last day, and many of you know this right now, Jesus sits on the throne of grace. You can come before the throne of grace right now if you're a Christian, anytime, any hour. But when the resurrection comes, that throne of grace is going to change. That throne of grace is going to be a throne of judgment. And God hates evil. And God will destroy all evil on that day. So we have an opportunity to destroy the evil in our life right now through the repentance process. God's telling us, 
Get that junk out. I want you home with me. Love me more than anyone or anything. Fear not, man. Have that awesome adoration fear for me. Brethren, this was a hard lesson for me to grind through. But I didn't want to hold back. Now go back and check me out. See if these things are so. See if Romans 9, that abhor evil, literally means to hate, ravage it. And as you see also in the Old Testament. But check to see if that love in the Old Testament is the same as the love that Jesus talks about. And to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want you to check me out because I know you'll find out that I was telling you the truth. Let's pray. Father, I would ask in your son's name, Jesus, help us to mature. Help us to, to, to stop flirting with the, the quote-unquote little sins. They only grow into those things that will destroy. And help us to develop a real desire to be pleasing to you in, in every respect. As we know, the scriptures clearly teach that you love to bless your children who are a blessing. Father, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of Kings. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.